Hi, I'm Kim, and this is Commanding Conversations. I'm a 40-something-year-old mom that decided that this stage in my life I am not over. I realized that now that my kids are getting a little bit older, that I can still reach out and reach my goals and maybe set new ones and see where I can get. And when I realized this, I saw that having conversations with people, so many others wanted to do the same thing. But something held us back. Something always kept us in the shadows. Well, I'm here to help us break out of the shadows and shine in the light that was meant for us. So I created Commanding Conversations. I would like people to help us share their stories, their experiences, network, and I want all of us to learn how to fail forward, reach our success, get out of our comfort zone, and try to find a way to be the best version that we can be. I know that this is totally possible, and I wanna build a community where we help support each other, have a little fun. Those topics that you don't want to talk about, don't worry, I do. And then we can always end every show with a little advice and a lot of spice. So if this sounds like something that you're interested in, then you are in the right place. So sit back, relax, and join in. Thanks. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of Commanding Conversations. I'm your host, Kim, and we're going to dive right into today's topic. We are going to talk about pain, purpose, and how it leads to power. I want to take a second to thank Spotify, Apple, Anchor, Amazon, SiriusXM, and iHeartRadio, just to name a few of the awesome platforms that have been so gracious and kind to host my story and my message. If you ever find a place that you need to find a commanding conversation, those are just a few of the many platforms that host my word. All right, so back to the show. I want to paint a little scene for you. Like, pretend you're in a dream state. And you walk into this room and there's all these people, celebrities that are sitting at a table, right? So you walk in and there's Paula Abdul and next to her is Tony Braxton. We have Nick Cannon and Trick Daddy cracking jokes. We have Selena Gomez and Lady Gaga talking next to an open seat that has your name on it. And you're wondering, why am I here? And then Seal pulls open the chair and invites you to sit down. And Kristen Johnson smiles and says, don't worry, we're all in this together. It's then that I wake up and I'm wondering, what is going on? Where am I? What, what happened? And my dream, I realized, is now my reality. And everyone sitting at that table are people that have had to deal with this autoimmune disease that now I have to deal with called lupus. I want to shed some light on this because it's probably the most confusing disease that's out there because no one really knows what it is. So I would like to share my journey because as I've said before, I only know what I know what I know. But I know that for whatever reason, I was dealt a hand, Kenny Rogers style, 
and this hand is going to have a little pain. It's going to give me a lot of purpose, and I'm going to stand in my power to educate people and to bring awareness of lupus and the autoimmune disorder that comes with it. So it was about eight years ago that uh, my kids were younger. They were little. They were running around and you know, I'm just trying to get through the day as a lot of moms do. And, you know, you're kind of on survival mode, right? Like getting through the day and getting the dishes and laundry done in the same day is like a big accomplishment. And I realized like all of a sudden I'm just, I'm getting tired. Like not regular tired. Like, like I would drink five Red Bull in a day and still fall asleep at like eight o'clock. So I'm like, hmm, this is not normal. And I probably like don't want to give myself a stroke because that would be bad. So I had to visit my general practitioner and I brought it up to her. I'm like, there's something just not right. You know, that little voice inside your gut that's like, "Mm, something's up. So my general practitioner ordered a full uh, panel scan or not scan, a full panel blood work workup on me. And um, she realized that like a majority of people around the world, I had some thyroid issues, right? Okay, fine. Cool. Great. No big deal. We will go down that route. We'll nip it in the butt. We'll fix it. We'll correct it. We'll move forward. I'll be put on meds and then I'm going to start feeling better and life is going to be, life is going to be great. I'll be back to normal. It's all good. But she ordered, um, a full panel, a full blood panel. And she had said to me, um, just so you know, your ANA came back positive. Well, I don't know what that means. And I'm like, yay, positive, high five. And she's like, "Mm, well, you know, I have some concerns, but we'll deal with that later because we have to address the first issue at hand. Okay, fine. I go on thyroid medicine, like, you know, a ton of the rest of the world. And I do, I feel better. I feel more vibrant and clear. Uh, My energy level is back. Um, I lost a little weight, bonus. How about that, right? And it was in July probably about eight years ago, and I will never forget this. Um, I've always been, if, you've, if you haven't seen a photo of me or videos of me, um, I'm very extra. I'm very bougie. I'm very girly. I would have hair extensions, eyelash extensions, like you name it. Like I am the girliest girl you've ever met. And I got out of the shower in the morning and I was combing through my hair and big clumps started coming out. And I was like, uh-oh, but I just thought it was my hair extensions. Like, oh, well, we'll just, we'll get those bad boys put right back in, right? But then I started combing my hair more gently and more gently. And I was like, "Uh, okay, what's going on? And it was just coming out in big clumps. And then, um, I mean, I have thin hair to begin with, but I had a lot of thin hair. So, I I mean, it wasn't like it was see-through or anything. So I went to take a closer look and a closer inspection. And there were big circles, like big circles, like the size of probably, the smallest one was probably the size of a half dollar and it was bigger than that. And the hair was just coming out, but it didn't hurt. It didn't itch. It didn't burn. It was just gone. And what was left, it was as smooth as a baby's bottom. I mean, there was nothing there. And I was in, I was in shock. And then of course, you know, I'm going through this checklist, like, did I use a different shampoo? Did I do something wrong? Did I eat something? Did you know, cause it's gotta be my fault, right? Like I must've done this to myself. So at that point I put a baseball hat on. I called my mom and I'm like, um, I think something's wrong. My hair's falling out. 
And my mom's like, well, did you color it? Did you dye it? Did you do something? Because knowing me, I would have. And I'm like, actually, for once, I didn't. So I called my general practitioner's office and kind of told them what was going on. And they got me in immediately. And they were like, oh, your hair's falling out. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is great. This is what we go to med school for. I'm like, yes, yes, it is. And you know what's, what's funny is looking back at it, things do not hit me right away. It takes a long time for things to, like, stay with me and come to light and, like, register. And I wasn't, I wasn't upset. I wasn't crying. I was just kind of more, like, wanting to cover it up, right? It's like I didn't want to scare anyone. And my kids were too young to really pay attention to what was going on. They were like, oh, mom's wearing a hat. No big deal. So my general practitioner had said, um, you know, we wanted to talk about this earlier, but apparently we need to talk about it now. Your ANA came back positive. And I'm like, yeah, I know. You said that before. Like, what is it? What? what does that mean? And I'm like, does it mean like, it means like my hair's going to fall out? And she's like, no, it's a marker that shows that according to the blood work that um, you tested positive for lupus. And I'm like, what? And she's like, yeah, you tested positive for lupus. And, you know, it was dormant. You weren't showing any signs or symptoms, but apparently you are now. And she's like, now would probably be a great time to maybe dive deeper and look into this. I'm like, uh, okay. And I didn't know what lupus was. I was like, is it cancer? Am I going to die? Like everybody... You hear like the leukemia, lymphoma, and lupus centers, but you don't really know what it means. So I was very confused, and they gave me a pamphlet and paperwork and a, a rheumatologist to call, and I'm like, okay, but when's my hair going to grow back? Like, that was my concern, right? Priorities 101 right here with Kim. And she looked at me like um, almost with pity in her eyes, and she's like, I don't know that it is. And I'm like... Okay. And she's like, well, how about this? You can go on Amazon and you can order a wig and see how that goes. It could be here by this afternoon. And I'm like, whoa, wait, whoa, what? Okay. All right. Um, okay. So I went home and I went on Amazon and that afternoon was my first hair try on. And I'll tell you how it goes after that. Okay, so here's where we're at in life. I have lupus and I have no hair on my head. Awesome. But it wasn't that I didn't have any hair on my head. I still had like some chunks that were still very, 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 very deep rooted. So, and then I have some parts where I'm missing. So it kind of looked like, I don't know, uh, like Edward Scissor's hand had a seizure and got a hold of my head. It was just very weird. Again, I'm not going through any emotions other than survival mode. Like, what do I do? What's going on? So my husband comes home and he's like, hey. And I'm like, hey, I, well, I had a day. Some, some stuff happened. So I'm like, oh, they diagnosed me with lupus. And he's like, I love this. And, and this is probably like a Midwest. It might even just be like a Chicago or a Southside Chicago thing. He's like, you've got the lupus? And I'm like, there's no the in front of it. No, I don't have the lupus. I have lupus. And he goes, well, what is it? I go, I don't know. Like, I really don't know. I was reading the pamphlets and the handouts that they gave me, and it wasn't making sense. And it, it has, honestly, it has taken me years to understand what is going on. So what lupus is, is uh, let me break it down because it's not easy to, to describe. So it's an autoimmune disease, okay? So 
there was something already predisposed inside of me that, you know, was a little tainted, right? So this autoimmune disease, it causes pain and inflammation in different parts of your body. Cool. Now everyone's going to say that they have it because especially I'm in my 40s, who doesn't have pain and inflammation? Well, mine's a little bit different because my immune system, my white blood cells, the ones that are supposed to protect you, they kind of have like a system malfunction, okay? So my white blood cells, they're a little extra, just like me, a little hyper, and they tend to attack healthy tissues as if they were dangerous ones. So they're going to affect and attack tissues thinking that there are viruses or bacteria. So in essence, what's supposed to protect me is actually eating away at me. So that's not good. Um, Lupus. So I have discoid lupus, which in hindsight is probably like the best case scenario because mine affects my skin. And that's kind of what you want. And there's two different types of lupus. There's SLE and then there's discoid. So SLE is on the inside. And that's definitely like more common. And I'm pretty sure eventually mine will go that way. If, if anything, it's already going that way. And that's when your white blood cells get angry and, and aggressive. And it's kind of like a bunch of little piranhas that are set free and loose and they get to start eating away at your tissue. And then it's like when they eat away at your tissue, it gives them more and more power and then they like go for more and more and more. And then once they get past that tissue, then they start going after your organs. Oh, awesome. There's a video game going on inside my body that I have no control over. That's awesome. So cool. What do I do? Everybody's lupus journey is different. Just like everyone that has cancer or another autoimmune disorder, everyone's journey is different. And my journey, like I said, I've been very lucky, affects my skin. So when my hair fell out, that's when the doctor said I was encountering my first flare. So if you were wondering what a flare is, a flare is when those white blood cells, they just, they woke up from a nap and they are angry and they are feisty. Think of a little baby that wakes up and they're hungry and they're ready and they're like, ah, that's, that's my white blood cells. And I'm going through one right now, which is why I'm having this episode come out because May is National Lupus Awareness Month. So we're going to prep because it's April right now. We're going to prep a little early because I would love to, you know, have you a little more aware in advance. And I have to say, I got really lucky. And I will always say how lucky I get because lupus is very hard to diagnose. It's actually like a process of elimination. And after you get through a whole bunch of other diagnoses, pretty much when there's nothing left, they go for lupus. They call lupus the great imitator because it mirrors symptoms of so many other diseases. Like I said, I got super lucky because my ANA came back positive. A lot of people's come back as a false negative. So I, I got lucky. I got a free break. So now that I have this, what do we do, right? So there's no cure. And there's treatment and maintenance to maintain your quality of life, right? Okay, cool. I'm very easygoing. I'm very <laughs> laid back when it comes to this stuff. It's like mental and medical issues, like I'm going to do whatever it takes to lead a good life, right? And then I started looking into it and there's not a whole lot of like 
research and awareness out there, especially when I found out that one in 250 women have it. And it takes a star like Selena Gomez, who, I mean, what are the chances of this, who's lucky enough to have a best friend that matched her DNA profile that she was able to get a kidney from her best friend because the little white blood cell piranhas ate away at one of Selena's kidneys. So with that being said, if you had to deal with one of these autoimmune disorders like lupus, how do you think your day would go? I want, Remember, I want to strike a commanding conversation. I want to shed some light on what maybe people don't know or what they don't talk about. So now we're going to talk about mad diaries of a lupus patient and conversations with lupus, because this is the friend I never asked for. Have you ever stopped to think in the middle of your whirlwind crazy day while life is just spiraling around you? What about me? Did you ever forget who and what your dreams were back in the day? That goal that you wanted to reach, you thought by now in life for sure you would be here or you would be there and yet you're probably not even close to that. Well, I'm here to tell you and help you remember who you are, let you find that light within you, and I want to build a community that helps others reach their goals. Let's not forget, we're going to add a little advice and a lot of spice. So you're in the right spot because you are about to embark on a commanding conversation. So right after I was diagnosed um, and I went and I was able to get in and see an amazing rheumatologist, love her. She's awesome. Definitely will be giving a shout out to her. She single-handedly changed like the, my path and purpose in life for sure. She's also very, um, very much a tough love doctor, which is what I need. Like I'm not even allowed to leave the office until I give my little blood donation because I'm called a flight risk, which is true, which is absolutely true. After I was diagnosed, um, she suggested that I could go on social media like Facebook and Instagram and there and even just a web browser and that there's lots of support groups. And I'm like, support groups? I'm not like in hospice. Like, we're, we're going to maintain it. And I'm very much a person that believes that if life gives you a crutch, it doesn't or it gives you something that, that you need to have a crutch on. Like, OK, so I have lupus, right? But I was fine before I had it. And now that I have this, I'm going to have it for the rest of my life. So it's not going to change anything. You just have to learn how to live with it, right? So my rheumatologist had me look at a bunch of Facebook groups and self-help and support groups that were out there. And I just, I couldn't handle it. It seemed like a lot of these people were, A, a lot sicker than I was. And that was like the big thing with me. I didn't feel sick. I was tired and I lost my hair but I didn't feel sick and I didn't want to be treated any differently. And I didn't want to think about being sick because I thought that if I started, you know, becoming a hypochondriac and diagnosing myself, then I would be sick. And so I was trying to use that like power of mental ability to be in like the healthiest mindset that I could be. Right. So when I was looking at these support groups or whatnot, I 
I had to stop immediately because it seemed like there was this hamster wheel of people talking about how how much pain they were in and how awful their days are and how bleak and dark their mental space is. And if you know anything about Kim and commanding conversations, I don't do well in the dark, right? I don't like negative, dark places. But it is really hard to deal with it because the symptoms and the different ranges of how severe this disease can be and someone's own mental strength, it it shed light that this is a real thing. It's a real thing and it's really hard for people to understand because you can't see it. You can't see it. There isn't, you know, like, I mean, we sometimes we do have rashes. We get a butterfly rash across our face or if I go out in the sun for like, I don't know, 10 minutes, I start glowing bright red. It's not cool. It's not fun, but it's definitely uh, a side effect. But I just, I feel bad for these people that feel like they have nowhere to go. They have nowhere to turn and they feel bleak because people don't believe them because this autoimmune disorder, it is invisible. It's invisible to the naked eye because people can't see anything really happening. So I want to add some awareness today because not only did I have to start a big regimen of vitamins and medications, those are the easy pills to swallow. I learned over the past couple of years that there are much harder pills to swallow, like accepting that this is never going to go away, right? And the hard truth that there isn't really a cure. And days that you're able to get up and do stuff, those are your good days. Hold on to those days. A hard pill to swallow is watching your kids run around and realizing that you can't do those activities and things that you used to do before. How about losing friendships and relationships because, you know, you're in a different mental state? Or how about when life has to put you on a forced time out? I'm a very, very, very active, happy, social person. And I like to pretend, you know, that everything is fine. That's, that's my coping mechanism, right? But sometimes things aren't fine. And that's my body's way of saying, you need to take a time out. And your immune system doesn't look like everyone else's. And you need to calm down and we need to rest and we need to heal or you're going to get super, super sick. That's very hard because it means that I'm losing control. And one thing about me is I like to be in control. So when it comes to pills to swallow, I'll take the drugs any day. It's the pills of life and the small freedoms that you have to give up. Those are the hardest to swallow. And they're also the hardest for others to understand. All right, ready to hear what some symptoms of lupus are? (laughs) Everyone's going to think they have it by the time they're done listening to me. All right, so we're going to start off with some muscle aches, and then we're going to have some fatigue. We're going to have some morning stiffness, okay? Not the kind that men have, right? The kind that you can't bend your legs. And then you're going to get funny little rashes all over your body. You're going to be like, whew, this is great. We're going to have sensitivity to sunlight and regular light, we're going to have inflammation. And then all of a sudden your weight, it's going to start fluctuating. And you're like, great, I'm already in midlife. My hormones are all over the place. And now we're going to play with this. 
we are going to have hair loss. Yay, that's me. I have that. The biggest issue, I have two, two big issues. The hair loss doesn't even bother me, not even a little bit. I could wake up every morning and reinvent myself. And that's pretty cool. Like, I like to think that as a positive, you know? Um, the hardest thing for me, and other autoimmune disorders have this as well, is brain fog. One thing I like to pride myself on is that I like to present myself like I know what I'm talking about. I will research the heck out of whatever it is that I want to talk about or present. I'm a big closet nerd. I love being quick-witted and, you know, on my toes when it comes to comedy and comebacks and like laughter and just making people feel at home. And I love to get that conversation flowing. And I like to carry it too a lot of the times. One of the biggest, most detrimental parts that I've had to deal with is brain fog. And brain fog is like, how do I explain this? It's like if you have a Rolodex of everything all organized, your thoughts, your comebacks, your memories, your witty little digs and all your fun little comments. It's like that Rolodex spilled all over the floor and there is a spotlight on you and people are waiting to hear your response and you're on your knees going through the pieces of paper that were in your Rolodex. And for those of you that are too young to know what a Rolodex is, Google it. Anyway, um, it's like the pieces are all over the floor and you are grabbing at whatever you can, hoping and praying it's the right piece of paper to keep the conversation flowing. I have spirals everywhere. I have post-it notes everywhere. I feel like I'm always writing things down or I'm slowly going crazy. I'm not sure. I mean, I could be doing that too. That has been a huge challenge for me and very frustrating. Very, very, very frustrating because I feel like I come across and again, this is 100% a 100% of me thing. I feel like I come across as not as influential or educated as I know that I am, right? So that's something that I have to work with. It's a crutch that I have for the rest of my life, but that crutch is only going to make me stronger, right? That pain is giving me a purpose. My purpose right now is that I'm on a platform and I'm talking about it. And now that purpose is going to bring power and enlightenment to other people. See? See how that works? Super easy. Recently, the second part of lupus that has been kind of a life changer is that, remember how I talked about how I had discoid lupus and it affects my skin and that eventually it's going to go inside? Well, we're, we're there. So um, probably about eight weeks ago, I had a routine appointment with my rheumatologist and um, it was made like six months in advance, right? Which we need to do that. And then thank God they have text alerts and text reminders because I would never remember that I have these appointments, right? So I go in and I see my rheumatologist and she's like, how you doing? And I'm like, I'm good. And she's like, how are you feeling? I'm like, well, you know, it was right after the holidays and I felt that maybe, you know, I'm feeling my age, you know, I'm not 20 anymore. Although mentally I think I am. Like my hips hurt, my shoulders hurt, my knees hurt. And my elbows hurt. And the joints of my fingers hurt. And the doctor opened up her hands, the rheumatologist, and she had me place my hands in hers. And she noticed that, and I didn't even really notice this, that my fingers were starting to age a little bit and starting to get a little 
a little, I don't want to call them deformed, but you know, they're getting a little gnarly here. And I'm like, Ooh, what's going on? That's, that's not normal. And then she started looking at my joints and there was, um, there were scans and tests involved and I am already on, um, a litany and a plethora of a bunch of medications and I'm on autoimmune suppressors because we have to keep those piranhas calmed down, right? And we made the decision together, the doctor and I, that um, it's time to possibly go that next step, which I, you know, I always knew was going to be an option. Was hoping it wouldn't be, but it is. So I am starting a regiment of chemo. And the reason why they have this regimen of chemo is because chemotherapy is used for so many other things besides cancer. What it's actually used for is to kill any overabundance and overgrowth of cells, which is what mine are doing. My white blood cells, they're aggravated, they're growing, and they're angry, and now they're starting to attack my joints. So now we need to definitely put this and nip this in the butt, and I've been starting this treatment, and I feel the same, so I guess the same is better than worse, right? And it's, again, it's very hard to explain this to people when they're like, I don't understand. Like, you look okay, you act okay. But if I were to tell you that I looked sick and I acted sick, then I would feel sick. And see, it's like, again, it's that hamster wheel that keeps going in like a negative direction. And I want to focus on the hamster wheel in a positive direction. So out of 12 rounds, I'm, I just finished seven. So five more to go. Definitely keep you posted. But this is going to reboot my body. And this is going to help my body get back on the right path and the right steps and get all the white blood cells back to happy and not piranhas. And it kind of reminds me of gremlins, you know, like you add water and they get crazy and they multiply. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to nip this in the butt and we're going to try to move forward in a positive way. So it worked for Lady Gaga. It didn't work for Selena Gomez. I will have to be the tiebreaker to see where it ends up with me. I want to read to you the spoon theory, which is the absolute best analogy that people who have lupus can explain to others or even people with other autoimmune issues, rheumatoid arthritis, diabetes, um, fibromyalgia, just to name a few, okay? So this was written by Christine Misandrino, and you can find this on www.butyoudontlooksick.com. Side note, I actually love that website's name. All right, are you ready? So this is called The Spoon Theory. My best friend and I were out together, talking as usual, hanging out at a diner, and it was late and we were eating French fries. Like normal girls our age, we spent a lot of time at the diner while we were in college. And most of the time, we spent it talking about boys, music, travel, things that were very important to us at the time. We never got deep or serious. We only spent time on things that kept us laughing and smiling and motivated. I went into my purse to take out some medicine that I usually take with a snack. And she, my best friend watched me. And she kind of had this like awkward stare. And instead of continuing the conversation, she asked me bluntly and out of the blue, what does it feel like to have lupus? And what does it feel like to be sick? 
Okay, I was not only shocked because it was a random question, but also because I just, I assumed she knew all there was to know about lupus. I mean, she came to the doctor with me. She saw me walk with a cane, saw me throw up in the bathroom. She'd see me cry out in pain. I mean, what else was there to know, right? I started to ramble on about the pills, the eggs, the pains, the beep, ba ba boop And she was like, no, 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 no. That didn't seem to satisfy any of her answers. I was a little surprised as, you know, she was my roommate all four years in college, friends for years before that. I assumed she already knew all the medical definitions of lupus. And then she looked at me with a face that every sick person knows well, the face of pure curiosity about someone no healthy person can understand or something no healthy person can understand. She asked what it felt like, not physically, but what it felt like to me to be sick. I tried to gain my composure. I mean, I glanced around the table looking for help or guidance, but not that anyone was going to help me. What I was doing was I was stalling for time to think. I was trying to come up with the right words. How do I answer a question I was never able to answer for myself? How do I explain every detail of every day being affected and give the emotions that a sick person goes through with clarity? I could have even, you know, given up, cracked a joke like I usually do, or just changed the subject. But then I was thinking, if I don't at least try to explain this, how could I ever expect her to understand it? And if I can't explain this to my best friend, how could I explain my world to anyone else? I had to at least try. It was at that moment that the spoon theory was born. I quickly grabbed every spoon on every table. Hell, I grabbed spoons off of other tables and in bins and in saucers, and I grabbed all of the spoons. I looked at her in the eyes and said, here you go. You have lupus. And she looked at me slightly confused, kind of a little crazy, as anyone would if they're handed a bouquet of spoons. The cold metal spoons clinked in my hands as I grouped them together and shoved them into her hands. I explained that the differences in being sick and being healthy is having to make choices or consciously think about things that when the rest of the world doesn't have to, the healthy have the luxury of a life without choices, a gift most people take for granted. Most people start the day out with unlimited amounts of possibilities and energy to do whatever they desire, especially young people. For the most part, they don't need to worry about the effects of their actions. Not at all. So for my explanation, I used spoons to convey this point. I wanted something for her to actually hold, for me to take away, since most of the people who feel sick have a loss of a life that they once knew. If I was in control of taking away the spoons, then she would know what it feels like to have someone or something else, in this case lupus, being in control. She grabbed the spoons with excitement. She didn't understand what I was doing, but she was always up for a good time. So I thought she was cracking some kind of joke the way that I usually do when I don't want to deal with touchy subjects. Little did she know how serious I was about to become. I asked her to count the spoons. She asked why, and I explained that when you are healthy, you expect to have a never-ending supply of spoons. When you have to now plan your day you need to know exactly how many spoons you're starting with. It doesn't guarantee that you might not lose some along the way, but at least it helps to know where you're starting. 
She counted out 12 spoons. She left and she said she wanted more. I said, no. And I knew right away that this game would work. Then she looked at me disappointed and we hadn't even started yet. I've wanted more spoons for years, but I haven't found a way to get more. So why should she? I also told her to always be conscious of how many spoons she had and not to drop them because you can never forget that you have lupus. I asked her to list off all of the tasks that she had to do that day, including the most simple, right? She rattled off like her daily chores or just fun things to do. I explained that each task would cost her a spoon. Well, she jumped right in, getting ready for work as her first task of the morning, and I cut her off and I took away a spoon. I practically jumped down her throat. I said, nope, nope, you don't have to just get up. You have to open your eyes and realize that you're already running late. You didn't sleep well the night before because you had to crawl out of bed. And then you have to make yourself something to eat so that you can take your medicine. Because if you don't take your medicine, then you don't feel well. So that's a spoon. I quickly took away another spoon as she realized that she haven't, hasn't even gotten dressed yet. Showering would cost her a spoon too. Just for washing her hair and shaving her legs. That's another spoon. Reaching high and low in the morning could actually cause more than one spoon depending on how you're feeling. I stopped her and broke down every task to show her how every little detail needs to be thought about. You can't simply just throw clothes on when you're sick. I explained that you have to see what clothes you can physically put on. If my hands hurt that day, buttons are not a question. If I had bruises that day, I needed to wear long sleeves. If I had a fever, I needed a sweater to stay warm. If my hair is falling out, I need to spend a little bit more time to be presentable. And then you need to factor in another five minutes just for feeling bad that it took you two hours to do all of this. I think she was starting to understand when she theoretically didn't even get to work yet. She was only left with six spoons. I then explained to her that she needed to choose the rest of her day wisely. Since your spoons are all you have left, when they're gone, they're gone. Sometimes you can borrow against tomorrow's spoons, but just think about how hard tomorrow will be with less spoons already. I also needed to explain that a person who is sick and always lives with the looming thought that tomorrow may be the day that a cold comes or an infection or any number of things that can be dangerous. So you do not want to run low on spoons ever because you never know when you really truly will need them. I didn't want to depress her, but I needed to be realistic. And unfortunately, being prepared for the worst is also part of a real day for me. We went through the rest of the day and she slowly learned that skipping lunch would cost her a spoon, as well as standing on the train or even typing at her computer for too long. She was forced to make choices and think things differently. Hypothetically, she had chosen not to run errands so that she could eat dinner that night. Again, compromising with spoons. When we got to the end of her pretend day, she said she was hungry. And I summarized that she had to eat dinner, but she only had one spoon left. If she cooked, she wouldn't have enough energy to clean the pots and pans. If she went out for dinner, she might be too tired to drive home safely. Then I also explained that if I didn't even bother to add into this game that she was so nauseous that cooking was probably out of the question anyway. So she decided to make soup. It was easy. 
it was then that it was only 7 p.m. If you have the rest of the night, then maybe you'll end up with one more spoon so you could do something fun or clean your apartment or do chores. But you can't do it all. I rarely see my best friend emotional, so when I saw her upset, I knew that maybe I was getting through to her. I didn't want her to be upset, but at the same time, I was happy to think that finally maybe someone understood me just a little bit. She had tears in her eyes and asked quietly, Christine, how do you do it? Do you really do this every day? And I explained that, you know, some days were worse than others, and some days I have more spoons than most. But I can never make it go away, and I can't forget about it. I always have to think about it. I handed her a spoon that I had been holding in reserve, and I simply said, I have learned to live life with an extra spoon in my pocket, in reserve, because you always need to be prepared. It's hard. The hardest thing I've ever had to learn is slowing down and not do everything. I fight this to this day. I hate feeling left out, having to choose to stay home or not get things done the way I wanted to. I wanted her to feel that frustration. I wanted her to understand that everything everyone else does comes so easy. But for me, it's 100 little tiny jobs built into one. I need to think about the weather, my temperature that day, the whole day's plans before I can attack any one given thing. When other people can simply just do things, I have to attack it, make a plan, like I'm strategizing for war. It kind of is like that. It's in that lifestyle, the difference between being sick and healthy, and that it's beautiful. It's a beautiful ability not to think, but just do. I miss my freedom. I miss not having to count out spoons. After we were emotional and talked about this a little while longer, I sensed she was sad. Maybe she finally understood. Maybe she realized that she never could truly and honestly say she understands because she's not living it. But at least now, she might not complain so much when I can't go out for dinner on some nights or when I never seem to make it to her house on time or when she always has to drive and I do better in the passenger seat. I gave her a hug when we walked out of the diner. I had the one spoon in my hand and I said, don't worry, I see this as a blessing. I have been forced to think about everything I do. Do you know how many spoons people waste every day? I don't have room for wasted time or wasted spoons. And I choose to spend this time, this spoon, with you. Ever since that night, I have used the spoon theory to explain my life to many people. In fact, my family and friends refer to spoons all the time. It has been a code word for what I can and cannot do. Once people understand the spoon theory, they seem to understand me a little bit better. But I also think that they live their lives a little differently, too. I think it isn't just a good understanding for lupus. It's a good understanding for anyone dealing with any disability or illness. Hopefully, they don't have to take so much for granted in their life in general. I give a piece of myself in every sense of the word when I do anything. It has become an inside joke. I have become famous for saying to people jokingly that they should feel special when I spend time with them because, after all, they have one of my spoons. Okay, so that was long and winded, but it's a really great analogy. And I love it because my brother was going through some stuff and he was talking to me about 
he, he was joking and he was like, have you ever heard the spoon theory? And I'm like, actually, yeah, yeah, I have. I, I definitely have. And he didn't know that it was lupus based. He was going through like physical therapy with a shoulder incident and he was using it as a basis for kind of like what he could do that day. And it just goes to show that you could use analogies in every different aspect of life. So I want people to know that you can use the spoon theory for anything, even even non-detrimental issues. You've got the flu, you got 10 spoons. Figure out how you're going to use your spoons for the day. You know, I want to hopefully shed a little bit of light on the ins and outs of my journey with lupus. I will always keep you posted. I'm so grateful for your support. Um, hug someone with lupus today and be aware of how many spoons you have. And if you only had 12 spoons, how would you use them to make the day the best that it could be for you? All right, until next time, I hope you have a commanding conversation. Take this and run with it. Until next time, thing, I'll see you later. Thanks, bye. So what is a commanding conversation? These are questions that I have, struggles that I think we can all relate to, and awesome feel-good stories that are good for our soul. I want to see all sides of all situations. I want to put it bluntly, I want to make you think. So my question for you is, do you have a commanding conversation inside you? I just wanted to thank you one last time for joining me. I'm so glad that you stopped by. I hope you had a good time and I hope you took something along for the ride. And remember, I want to see that smile reach your eyes. And until we talk next time, have an awesome, awesome commanding conversation. Okay, bye.